Welcome to Interpod, a podcast by Interpride where the world comes together for the LGBTQIA community. I'm Michelle Miao, your host. In this episode, we focus on Transgender Awareness Month and also honor and recognize November 20th, Transgender Day of Remembrance. To kick off this episode is Arya Saeed, who is the executive director of the Transgender District in San Francisco, the first of its kind in the world. Hi, my name is Arya Saeed. I am a transgender advocate based here in San Francisco, California, and I am most known for being a founder of the Transgender District in San Francisco's Tenderloin, which is the world's first district of its kind. Welcome to San Francisco. I believe that the Transgender District is a radical solution towards addressing disparity and economic disenfranchisement that transgender people face. The district was created by black trans women to combat just that. Because the reality is, is that transgender people often face the most marginalization of any other population in the United States. We face high rates of unemployment, violence, discrimination, houselessness, and so much more. The whole idea around creating an urban area that centers our experience was that hopefully we could create these pipelines for housing, owning businesses, and creating an economy that's for us and by us. While we do face great disparity, we also have an amazing culture. And I think centering Black trans joy is absolutely important. If we celebrate and liberate Black trans people, then we liberate everybody else. Let's take a look back on trans history with Donna Persona, a trans activist and member of the Coquettes, San Francisco's gender-bending ensemble that started in 1969, who performed legendary musicals. Donna co-wrote a play a few years back about the Jean Compton cafeteria riot that occurred in August of 1966. Transgender women fought against police harassment and abuse, marking this incident as the beginning of transgender activism in San Francisco. I'll say it like this. this. These are the 60s, the mid-60s and on, and it was uh, close to the time of um, the Summer of Love, and so there was a lot of uh, experimentation and hallucinogenics, and I experimented. And uh, so, you know, times are cloudy in my mind about that. And so, uh, you know, my particular story was I, I had a, 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 a bad incident Jean Compton's cafeteria. Your story. Uh, yeah, no, uh, I, I, I got a, a boyfriend. You know, that's a girly thing, too. I, I, I had a boyfriend that I met there, and uh, he was a Caucasian guy. He, he, he really looked like, a, I, I mentioned the all American. He was all American looking, and he had a car, and, you know, he and I, I would sit right next to him. That, you know, they didn't have bucket seats then. And, uh, you know, I was in love with my life. You know, here I am. I've got a boyfriend. This is the life. And, uh, but one day, we're driving around the Tenderloin, and his car got shot up, shot at. And uh, neither one of us got hit with bullets. And soon after that, and I, I, I thought, this is too dangerous for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I made the decision to step away from that and go like join the coquettes and, and the hippie thing. You know, after being, going to uh, Compton's cafeteria, I, I, I met a man, Jim Paltridge, and he, he, uh, he was the, turned out he was the producer of a movie called uh, Elevator Girls in Bondage. It's not, it sounds like a porn story, and it's not. It, it, it was about uh, women's liberation and uh, a labor story of, of women trying to get earn, earn, earn better working conditions, really, with a lot of nudity and <laughs> drug taking and stuff. But uh, I, I was having an affair with this uh, Jim Paltridge, who is the executive producer of the film, and uh, he he introduced me to to the Coquettes, uh, Rumi Missable. Uh, all, all of them. And, and uh, uh, so I, I, I was with him all the time. Actually, like this, it was one of my first experiences as a homewrecker or whatever. Like, it turned out he was married, you know, to a guy. They didn't get really married then. But, but uh, I, I was with him, and, and um, 
so he, he uh, introduced me to the Cockettes, and he, he kept saying to me, don't you want to be in this movie? Don't you want to be in this movie? And uh, I, I didn't. I, I was filled with uh, reluctance about everything back then, you know, my whole life. Uh, and, and no, I, I was shy, too, and scared of all that. But uh, he, he kept on and kept on, and finally he tricked me into it. So uh, that's how I met the Cockettes, and uh, I, I'm still with them. You know, we, we dropped off. You know, it's the same thing like with the Compton's experience. Uh, everything ended. And, and then, you know, 40-some years later, I, I find out uh, David Weissman mm-hmm. made the documentary and I started see, reading about that in the Chronicle, and then that that brought me back with them. But you know, they they were, uh, as you say, legendary, and, and they kind of, uh, 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 along with the transgender women at Compton's, you know, I want to say this: they they wrote the blueprint for what uh, today the transgender community their needs, what mm. they're going to need. They, they wrote the blueprint. In other words, they, they needed uh, medical procedures and, and medical help. They needed mental health. They needed housing, employment, and protection from, from uh, those who would perpetrate evil on them, which was everybody, everybody, uh, and, and meaning the police, you know, you could do, one could do anything to a transgender woman and there was no repercussion from it. Nobody cared. No one to walk with all by myself. No one to talk with, but I'm happy on the shelf. Ain't misbehaving, I'm saving my love for you. I know for certain, the one I love, I'm through with flirting, it's just you I'm thinking of. Ain't misbehaving, I'm saving my love for you. That was Peter Minton on piano with John Rothermel singing Ain't Misbehavin'. Peter served as the Coquette's pianist during the early 1970s. This year sadly marks the deadliest year on record of transgender deaths around the world. Known reports say that there were over 370 deaths this year. Let's listen to an interview I did with trans activist Monica Roberts, who was the founding editor of Transgrio a blog focusing on issues pertaining to black trans women and women of color. Monica's coverage of transgender murders brought national attention in the United States. In order to understand the epidemic of transgender deaths, let's reflect on the work of those who have been doing the work. Monica sadly passed in October of 2020, but this conversation was recorded during Transgender Day of Remembrance in 2018. It gives us insight as to why it is happening and how we can fight back. Back in 2018, by the way, the number of known transgender deaths in the United States was roughly around 22. Let's listen to this discussion with Tony Newman, who's the current interim executive director of the Black AIDS Institute. Yeah, out of this year, the uh, 22 that we know of, 21 are black trans women. And of the 21, about 18 of them are under age 30. So that's a loss not only to our black trans community, but it's a loss to society as a whole. What would these folks have been able to accomplish if they had been able to live to my age of 57? Did we lose the next great business idea, the cure for cancer or whatever these folks would have been able to accomplish had they had time to be able to do that? And the other aspect of this is that many of these murders are intimate partner violence. Let me say that again. 
their intimate partner violence. So that's another conversation that we need to have. I started 25 years ago through my transformation, a graduate of Wake Forest, and I found myself on the streets, um, had a degree, had met Maya Angelou at Wake Forest, and most of the people that I met in 1995 are now dead uh, from suicide, partner abuse, partner murders. And what I'm really here to say today is, what do we do as a community to support one another? Whether you're in the LGBTQIAA, if I missed something, I apologize. Um, what do we do? How do we support each other? Um, we've lost some great people. A lot of talent has been lost. But what do we do in 2020 in order to support one another? What does equality look like if you are a hetero ally? What, what does equality look like if you are a member of the LGBTQIA? I don't see enough concern, enough empathy when these young ladies are being killed on the streets when most of us are asleep by people that they know. And especially I don't see that empathy from our own community. Yeah, I, I agree um, with that. Yeah, I agree with uh, that. That's, it's a problem when you have 21 African-American trans women killed. If all of these women were cisgender women, the NAACP, the Congressional Black Caucus, and every black legislator would be screaming at the top of their heads about this. But it's not. But we've got silence now. From and many and, of and to repeat that, if 21 gay men, white men or black men were killed, there would be a rally in the streets. Mm-hmm. There would be, let's prosecute, mm-hmm. let's find the murderer. Mm-hmm. These people, over 80% of them were killed and their perpetrator is still on the loose. A lot of them, they put no effort into finding who has done this. And even if they do, uh, the sentences they get are a slap on the wrist. Yes, it's manslaughter, misdemeanors, and not murder in the first degree. We just had a case in Texas in which the person who was videotaped uh, beating Malaysia Booker just went on trial last month. Uh, the per, the uh, defense attorney used a variation of the trans panic defense to uh, unfortunately successfully get his sentence reduced from felony uh, felony assault to a misdemeanor assault with time served. And my question is, just because someone says I'm a trans person, does that mean they should be killed? Mm-hmm. Um, once they identify their authentic self, people are identifying their authentic self and people are saying, oh, my God, I was so shocked. I had to kill him. That doesn't happen in any heterosexual relationship that I'm aware of that you say, hey, I'm I'm a straight white female. Oh, my God, I'm going to kill you. So well, why is it that it's tolerated and approved for the black trans and Latin ex mm-hmm, and yeah. other people of color. Mm-hmm. I don't want to just emphasize black and mm-hmm. I want to recognize my Asian and, and Latin sisters, uh, my Indian sisters, but just trans people of color go through a lot to make it in this world. And why is it that we don't have the allies standing behind us saying we won't allow this to continue to happen? You must prosecute. You must treat this as murder. Why is it that you guys are not standing up for us? And my question to you is what's holding you back? Mm-hmm. Why is that not happening? Yeah. The the number of murders has ramped up since 2015. What happened in 2015? The Obergefell ruling went down. And so what has happened? Our our I say esteemed opposition basically made a conscious decision to attack the trans community politically and. They are in conjunction with the Southern Baptist, the Roman Catholic Church, trans exclusionary radical feminist, and also the Republican Party. All of these groups are coalescing in a basically a the push to basically eradicate trans folks from society. And how do they accomplish that? Demonizing trans kids, basically making it harder for trans adults to not only hold jobs, but also to uh, say, to basically just get around in everyday life. 
passing restrictive laws like the attempt to pass uh, SB6, which was a bathroom bill in Texas. Uh, also, rolling back protections like uh, the the Department of uh, Education under, I say, under Cruella DeVos, as I call her, <laughs> uh, has rolled back to make it harder for parents and also for trans students to basically push back against the discrimination they face in school settings. Um, and And Texas, in addition to other Republican parties across the nation, have planks in their platforms that call upon those legislators to openly oppose any trans rights advances in their states. In 2019, um, Donald Trump has made it a mission and a goal to really hurt 1% of the population of America. Transgenders as a whole make up 1%, and the percentage of trans people of color is, is half of that. And my question is, why would an administration focus on such a small group to kick them out the military, to strip them of being their authentic selves? What is the motivating force behind him and his supporters on not monthly but weekly continually to attack transgenders, and all that is is just being your authentic self. Mm-hmm. All a transgender is really trying to do is live an authentic life, find love from an authentic person, and be authentically happy. But unfortunately, that makes the evangelicals mad. <laughs> so, you know, and also these trans-exclusionary radical feminists, you know, who have been since Janice Raymond, uh, basically had that goal of eradicating trans people from society. And all of this negativity is basically fueling the anti-trans rhetoric and and that is inflating our murder rates. And it's not just a problem here in the United States, Latin America, Brazil, Eastern Europe, uh, all say areas, any area where you are pushing anti-trans rhetoric, the violence follows. Funding is what we need for a lot of our organizations there. Uh, there was a survey done about funding going to, uh, say, organizations in the South, and the South, for this comparison, was Texas and the old Confederate states, in which only 8% of any funding goes to the South, and it goes to two cities, Houston and Atlanta. And okay, if you're a if you're sitting on the board of a black organization like I do in terms of Black Trans Advocacy Coalition, which is in Dallas, we don't even get any of that eight percent. So we're definitely looking, and and with the front lines of the struggle now being in Texas and the South, we need funding to help fight organizations that have CEOs that are making $100,000 and have all day long to think of ways to oppress us. We need that help. Also, what we need in the trans community is folks who are willing to stand up and actually run for public office. Mm-hmm. You know, we have uh, like a in 2020, we've got Sarah McBride, who is running in Delaware for a state Senate seat. And if she's successful, she will become the first out trans person to ever be elected a state senator. Uh, we've got, uh, say, well, Danica Rome was just reelected to her House of Delegates seat in Virginia. Uh, we've got uh, Brianna Tatone in Colorado, who is running for reelection next year. These folks will need, let's say, will need help uh, in terms of funding for their campaigns, uh, also some support that way. Um, and also other folks who may be running at a state, you know, say, or a city council level. We also need, you know, say, trans judges. We need, you say, we actually need trans folks being the chefs when it comes to civil rights and not always on the menu. <laughs> and I would say equity, um, no matter what your religious beliefs are. I have a very religious mother. I love her dearly. She loves God more than anything else. Um, everyone deserves equality. Mm-hmm. Equality is for all of us. 
equality still is relevant to me and my brothers and sisters and to my trans sisters of color. And we're asking for you just that you step up in an equity way to support trans folk, whether you agree with what they've done or doing to their own bodies to be their authentic self, to lay down any other belief that you have besides everyone under the sun deserves equality and no one should be killed for being their authentic self. That was the Queen of Disco, Sylvester, singing Stormy Weather with Peter Minton on piano during their time with the Coquettes. Monica did not get to witness Sarah McBride win her election as state senator of Delaware, making her the first out transgender person to do so in the United States history, but she would have been so proud. We miss you so much, Monica. Thank you so much for all that you have done. Building political power for transgender lives has been happening and is happening. We are winning elections. Our next speaker is Tamara Adrian of Venezuela. Tamara was elected to the National Assembly of Venezuela in 2015, making her the first transgender person elected to office in Venezuela. Uh, my name is Tamara Adrian, uh, and my pronouns are she, her, ella in Spanish. The story of all trans people are pretty much alike. You know who you are, about three, four years old, but uh, it's very difficult to verbalize, uh, to, to try even to express uh, to other who you are. And uh, back in the uh, prehistorical ages in which I uh, live my transition, there were no internet, no resources, no nothing. Uh, it was much more difficult than it is now. I guess that uh, the, the fact that um, uh, you are a trans person might be perceived by some like uh, a uh, curse. Uh, I think uh, it's a blessing in a way because it uh, allows you to explore so many feelings, so many things uh, that are not perceived, not explored, not even conceived by most of the people. I got into politics because, well, for many years I was only civil society uh, person acting as a civil society uh, together with NGOs in seeding at the level and international and, and national level as NGOs, as civil society, um, making advocacy 
in favor of equal rights. But uh, there was a moment in which I uh, understood that it was it was necessary to be involved there where where the decisions are taken. I cannot ask other people to do what I should be doing. Uh, and one of the things I, I should be doing is uh, uh, occupying all public spaces in order to uh, convince, in order to change minds and hearts relating to uh, equal rights for everyone. If you, as uh, a person belonging to a minority, do not take conscience of how valuable your participation in politics is as an example for other people that uh, do not conceive that they are worthy to be involved in the high-level politics. You are, you are an example. You are a positive example. I think uh, we are full in, in, the, net, in, the, in, the, in the media. Uh, we are full of bad examples relating uh, or pejorative examples concerning LGBTI persons. Uh, and and when you have a positive role model, you start to, to change uh, much more rapidly hearts and minds, because uh, you are no longer perceived as a minority. You are perceived as a person that is fighting for several causes, including equality. How has the rights specifically for the transgender community or gender minorities in Venezuela change since your election? Nothing, nothing have changed in 20 years of dictatorship in Venezuela, unfortunately. We uh, are uh, fighting for recovering democracy and reinstalling uh, respect of human rights, but uh, as opposite that uh, of what had happened in the rest of the region, where huge advancements concerning equality had been achieved in the past uh, eight or nine years. Now uh, you have equal marriage in Mexico, Costa Rica, Colombia, Ecuador, Brazil, Uruguay, Argentina, Chile, uh, have um, equal um, civil unions and it's discussing in this moment uh, equal marriage, and in Bolivia, via judiciary decisions, uh, you have the legal recognition for trans people by a, an, an administrative decision of the registry officer without a trial, without uh, uh, any kind of pathologizing requirements. And uh, you have this, uh, this right in Mexico, Costa Rica, Colombia, Ecuador, Brazil, Uruguay, Argentina, Chile, Bolivia, and now via judiciary in Peru. Uh, and uh, you see that uh, we are not in this boat. Uh, we missed this boat. Uh, only several countries in, in Central America, in South America, Venezuela, and Paraguay you notice that the aim of the regime is not to defend and promote human rights and, and uh, particularly LGBTI rights. How is it being addressed as far as the alarming rise or number of known murders or violent cases targeting the transgender community in Latin America? Well, Actually, I will start by saying that yes, unfortunately, Latin America uh, has accumulated the highest number of murders against trans people, particularly trans women. And uh, in number of murders, the first country, it's um, Brazil. The second, it's Colombia. And the third is Venezuela. Then you have a, in percentage of, uh, of population, uh, the rates of Honduras are higher. 
I mean, no, uh, the, the number of murders over the population because they have a very, very small population, only a few million people. And uh, of course, the number of, of murders that occur uh, in, in Honduras are fewer in absolute numbers, but are higher in relative numbers, are similar to those in, 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 uh, in Brazil. In Venezuela, there is a, an additional problem. We don't know exactly how many murders have been committed in the past years, because most of the uh, journals uh, are not printed anymore. We have no, no press, free press, and most of the other radios, televisions, etc., had been co-opted by by the the dictatorship. So we are not, and many have closed because they they don't have the opportunity to either print or appear in the media, or they have been closed, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And now it is much more difficult to know how many murders we have had in the past three or four years uh, when this movement for closing. Uh, closing media or or impeding them to to appear in in the in, in the web etc because they blocked them uh had uh, occur so uh we don't know exactly how many murders we have a let's say private number as of 30 some um murders during during this year uh, many of them very painful such as the 21 years old trans girl uh, that was murdered here in Caracas. And uh, after she was murdered with uh, more than uh, 30 strippers in, 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 in her body, uh, her head was cut, her uh, male member was cut in her arms and her uh, legs were cut. So it's it's she was desmembrated. That's that's a hate crime. So hard um, to hear and to read and to know about these murders and and you know for many people in our community, we want the murders and the violence to stop. In your position as an elected official, I imagine that you at times might be able to come across uh, other organizations or, or powerful organizations or people with resources, if there was a, a message of some sort uh, or something that you would like to say to some of these, you know, powerful organizations or people who could do something for global movement to end trans murders, um, what would that message be? Please participate in global education. It is true that the laws can only be adopted by the states. It is true that public policy mainly can be achieved by states, but education, it's a role that might be adopted by anyone. And when you are powerful and you have the means, you can educate people. There are many ways to educate people via public campaigns, via uh, advertising, and in some case, in, uh, in uh, inciting uh, with regard to formal education. And I, I guess this is the most important uh, role that uh, founders might uh, uh, might take uh, into her their shoulders uh, in order to change the world. I think uh, if you do not educate people, it's uh, unlikely that things will change in the future. Uh, share with us your personal successes, the things that you are proud of in in terms of your work and your community that might lead to some some hope especially for the transgender gender non-conforming non-binary the the marginalized in our community in a country like venezuela uh i will start by saying go for it think big 
you will get it. And that's uh, I, how I become a international and a national activist at the highest level. I, uh, I am the, the chair of the International Committee for the 17th May uh, worldwide. I am uh, uh, the, the co-president of the board for GATE, Global Action for Trans Equality, acting at the global level for, for defending uh, uh, trans and intersex communities. Uh, I am member of the board of uh, WPATH, which is the World Association for Transgender Health, uh, of Professional for Transgender Health. Um, I am a member of uh, the board of directors of ICASO, which is a global organization titan for HIV. I am a member of the of the scientific committee uh, of the UNESCO for sexuality and human rights, and, and many others. I am a multitask person, but I I never dream of being in, in such a position in uh, which I could effectively. Uh, be acting in order to change the world. And uh, I think that might be achieved by anyone. Uh, again, think big, act big, and you'll get it. So long sad times, so long bad times, we are rid of you. That was Sylvester singing Happy Days Are Here Again with Peter Minton on piano, performing with the Coquettes. Building power and changing hearts and minds are ways in which we can fight against the hate and violence impacting our transgender community. Thailand is known as one of the safest countries for transgender people because of the social acceptance and tolerance of LGBTQIA people. But is that enough? Trans activist and Miss LGBT Thailand 2020 Piano discusses the importance of changing laws for full protection and safety for all. Hello everyone, I'm Piano. I'm medical technologist. I'm from Thailand. I prefer to use uh, my pronouns to be she because I feel like uh, I'm a woman and I'm a woman. In Thailand, we, we don't have the law that we can change the prefix. We still meet there and to be meet there is somebody in the informal they used to be he because Mr. is uh, to be recognized to be a man or male, you know. But for me, I always use to be myself with like informal. Uh, I use she and somebody use it her or something like that. I feel comfortable more. But when we go to the government room or we go to some places that they are 
say our pronoun depends on our passport or ID card. That make me feel sad and feel uncomfortable. But it is okay because of we living in the country that under the law that we should follow the law. But the thing that I prefer is to change the law. Just make people like us feel more comfortable, and we deserve to feel more comfortable to live in. Yes. Share with us. Um, you decide to be who you are, and and yeah. how did um the people accept like for example your family or like your friends or colleagues or people in general in Thailand? Yeah, did they feel okay with you being who you are? Yeah, the first of all that I am okay with who I am. First thing that I do, and I feel like I am a woman since I was. Remember everything. I feel like I want to be like my mom or my grandma because of my environment is on of the woman around. But to be accept in the first to accept ourselves first is very easy for me. But many people it's very difficult because they don't know who they are. But for me, I know exactly where I am. Then I can deal with myself easy to expose in society. But when We need to expose in society the first thing that we need to dealing is family problem. I have also because of my dad doesn't accept me to be a trans. He just want the biggest sons to take care of a sister, take care of mom or him when they getting old. But I just represent myself that I am a woman, and then I can take care of my family also. But also, it's a problem step by step when you go to school. You get to bullying with friends that they don't know what it LGBT in the last 10 or 15 years ago. That I was in high school or in school, I get bullying a lot. That like you are tranny, you are not a woman, you are man, but you act like a woman. But also, I know who I am. That's why I can dealing easy also. And also, the colleague and work is very very difficult because of they don't truly speak to you that. Oh, we don't accept trans. We don't accept the LGBT, but they have some question that is weird and not not feel good much. It's just like I am medical and I need to work in hospital and I go to interview and they ask me, "What you gonna dress?" I think this is not the question for me because of I think how I dress is depend on how I comfy comfortable with work. I will dress uh, wearing trouser. When I think that I need to move a lot and move far to help the patients or help the people who have an illness, yes. But someday, if I'm working with the document or I'm working something that I can wear a skirt, why not? If I'm comfortable with work and no problem with work, but still, there's carry on many trans in Thailand that we have job rejection and also that easy for us to. Do to do something else that nobody judge or nobody care or to be a business owner. Same like if you know in Thailand we have a lot of sex worker, we have lots of makeup artist. They have a lots of dancer because we feel free. Nobody can judge at much because of we represent trans. But when you go to business or you want to go to government or hospital, you need to pretend like. This you are okay to dress like a woman because of they still thinking that you are man. That's what I dealing so far, and right now I have my business with the medical like COVID 19 because of I think I want to defend myself also to not get accepted by the other hospital. That's why I start my own company. That is very difficult, and was whole thing that I told you we start from. If I I would say that. If we cannot accept ourselves first, problem is continue. Doesn't matter how old are you, school, university, work, other society, and everything. When you start with you accept yourself, and you can dealing step by step, you're gonna be fine. But for me, for trans, it's not easy. Every country in the world. Speaking of uh, transgender in the world. Some parts of yes. the world is very unsafe for transgender people. Yeah. They kill and murder transgender yes. women. They say though Thailand is one of the most friendliest place for transgender yeah. people. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about that statement? 
Yeah, for like for the real that we are feeling because of we have a lot of people who are LGBT and they have a community and we stay in the group and we have like the 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 community strong. But the things for me to do something such as a marriage or if somebody hurt us, we don't have really have law to protect us. That mean that we are fairly. We are the country to fairly for LGBT because of we have a lot and we can defend, uh, defend ourselves. But in the real, to the civil life, we are not the the safest place in the world because of we don't have rights, we don't have law, and many things is still carry on. Many things is people not talking about. But I am the LGBT who living in the country. We know that a lot. We lost a lot of people. Who being trans or LGBT by silent aggressive that nobody talking about just like the police beating us or the sex worker who beating by the customer and people don't say about it because of the sex worker illegal and trans it doesn't accept by the law in Thailand we just have a lot only that the 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 thing that's why we are failing yes do you think that The there is momentum to change the laws in Thailand. I think I am the one is the activist about the LGBT also, and I feel and this question is a really touched me hard because of a lot of people who look uh, who like me who like strong have power and have a big voice. We still talking. We still like telling. The government and telling the people in the Thailand that we want the right to living, we want the law to protect us. But Thailand is the Buddha culture, and Thailand is conservative. Like the the people who have authorized station to to be uh, to change the law or to change society, it, the people would doesn't accept LGBT or modern thinking. Still, like many own people and the people who believe in conservative. The world so much that that those people that can change the law for us, but they don't accept us. And I think we must work harder. We must have more people who stronger and change this together. Not change only the law. The the first thing that we need to do is change our culture and change our change our society first to accept us. That's like human being, not like just depend on the. Religion depend on cultures or depend on the the thing that their own people create or uh, expect us to be. Because of right now we have a lot of information from internet and we have we know a lot of people around the world that we need to change. And I think for the activists right now, we are so good so far. But we need more and we need more power to change the people. In the government, or people will have power first, and the law gonna change after. Yes. You, do you think that LGBTQ people were treated differently during the pandemic, during COVID 19 in Thailand? For sure, 100 because of a lot of my friend lost their job, especially sex worker or make up artist, and also like many people of my friend they have depression and. They can they they cannot get through their healthcare easy and also I work in the pandemic I work in the COVID 19 we have a lot of problem when we uh, somebody who at LGBT especially transgender they have COVID and they need to go to hospital and still they put us to living and to quarantine with the male with the man and a lot of them not. Feel comfortable because of some of them have sex change or already, and they get sexual harassment by voice, by touching or by camera. And I try to help them, and this problem still have have still still continue. That I don't know why they they don't think about it. They don't care about us much because of I think if if the cis woman talking about this issue. They gonna speak loud and they gonna have something to to protect the woman. But for us, they just say that it's okay because of we are trans. But it's not okay because of we 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 live we living like women like in daily life. That mean that if we get something, we need to treat like a cis woman. And also like 
a lot of my friend cannot get like not cannot get, but they not feel comfortable to go to hospital when they're getting ill or to go to some places because of pronoun also that they don't they don't feel comfortable to go and people call them is Mister or they don't feel comfortable to use the thing with the man and in the our healthcare system we use the that what I told you the formal form that we know we depends on the passport or ID card and that's mean that. The serious problem about pandemic is not only about job, it's about the this, the the way that the transgender and LGBT get through their healthcare system. It have some stigma, some discrimination, and some problem that that block them to go in in healthcare system. That's very sad because of health healthcare is the the bit, uh, the worry and the the important part that everyone should be access is very easy and comfortable. Are you happy? Are you happy as a trans woman? And do you have hope for the future for trans people in Thailand? I'm very happy to be trans. I'm always happy to be trans because of when society don't accept you or when somebody don't accept you, the way you are, but you still accept yourself. You still love yourself. That's mean that you truly accept and love yourself and that should be proud. But for hope, you have hope for the trans in the future. I don't want anything much. I just want people on around the world, people on gender, people on religions, people on occupation, people on nation, just treat everyone like a human being. We have we are all human. We need. We deserve respect. We deserve place to stand. We deserve job. We deserve everything. Same. It's. I don't want the political issue and everything to to limit somebody to do something because of that. What I told we are all human. We deserve. We we can't do anything that we can. We want to do if not hurt somebody. It's just for for our dream for our life and. And I think it's okay to be like treated by the human being. Yeah. So if yes. the world is listening to you, how can they help uh, trans in Thailand achieve your goal of changing the laws? How uh, if I am the person that people around the world listening to me, that uh, what I answer is the the question before that right now we are strong activists we have a lot of activism that we still working on it but the the main part is that we cannot fight we cannot change the people mind who have authorized so much such as the president or the people in the government or people that um, relate with the justice that are, if somebody around the world can help me right now I want them to, to be a part of our activists and our events and our project, uh, our advocacy, everything that we want you guys to help us to, to share, to, to speak loud like, uh, like we do about the government or people who have, uh, have power to change the law that listen to us and make it to be international. We are Thai. We're proud to be Thai. We love our culture. We love our, a lot of things that specifically like to be Thai. But we want human rights that other country or people around will start to be changed. But we have a lot of LGBT. Why we not change already? Who scare to change? Who, who have this effort to be changed? I think those people in the government side or those people who, who want to create tie to be conservative, they want to protect this. I want you guys to break this, break their mind, break their thought that we want human rights, that that the thing and you guys can help that, can speak loud to us and let can say that beating or can say that to push those people who have power to change their mind because of we want international world. We want something that people around the world start to be changed. Why Thai not change? Because Thai is the failure for LGBT, but we are the last 
almost the last country that changed the law to protect the LGBTQ. This is the question that why government or why the people who have power doesn't think about it. But if you guys can help, just speak louder to us to be our speaker that those people gonna change their mind because of, I think if on rap people talking about it, like to be trained in Twitter or to be trained in somewhere and they're gonna be thinking about this because of why people around the world talking about that, but why they are the people that we talk to them, why they don't listen, just help us to be, to be those problems to be heard around the world, yes. was Tuketa Barbie Topline with I Just Want to Hug You for Two Minutes and I'll Be Okay. Here's Janet Ali, Human Rights and Diversity Committee Co-Chair of Interpride, with our final thoughts. Hello, assalamu alaikum. This is me, Janet Ali, a transgender activist, founder of First Ever Transgender Pride, and the Co-Chair of Human Rights and Diversity Committee of Interpride. I'm here to tell you as it is November, and it is Transgender Awareness Month. It is really important to understand the challenges of transgender community. We face stigma and discrimination on the daily basis. And the first stage of stigma and discrimination are our own parents, our first institution. There is dire need to sensitize the community member and this chain will start from your parents then the school and then the society and i'm really sad to share within community we are also facing a lot of challenges and there is need to understand when we say inclusion and diversity we have to understand the dynamics and the challenges which are faced by the indigenous community member the people of color the people who are living at the grassroots because we as a trans person are facing very different challenges. We are still stuck to demand for the basic rights, which are inclusive rights. Our community members are striving and trying best to even get food, butter and bread. There are no source uh, to, for the living. There are no support for the living. So being a community member and trans ally, there is a need to understand that we have to work together for making the legislation in such hostile environment where the murder and the violence raised rates are increasing day by day and we are losing our life. 
and as you know it is transgender day of remembrance today so i want to request you please vigil the candle and give a positive message for those community members who lost their life for this struggle and for this great trans movement they are still alive in our hearts and in our minds so they will never die we have to make the rest of community members to realize that our lives matter and i'm really happy to be part of interpride and giving this message to the community member to work with us please stop working for us now it's the time to move forward together and working together for this great cause so i think if you say one word regarding trans community in a hostile environment or where the people are not sensitized so you can play a very important role so do a commitment that you will live for others as well and you will save the humanity you will save the trans community and you will prove that humanity matters our lives matters thank you Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Michelle Miao, your host. You've been listening to Interpod, a podcast by Interpride, where the world comes together for the LGBTQIA community. Thanks again for joining us for Transgender Awareness Month and also November 20th, Transgender Day of Remembrance. For more episodes or more information, head to enterpride.org slash podcasts.